Turn with me to Judges chapter 3 and verse 12. Judges chapter 3 and verse 12. <clears throat> Babies are persistent. Uh, a while back I heard uh, Tony Evans talking, he was using babies as an illustration about needing to be in the Word. He says, babies don't just eat three times a week. Uh, the mothers can testify uh, three hours, every three hours or sooner. Uh, they are hungry and they are letting you know, I want to be fed. They're persistent. Uh, and uh, I remember the first time uh, our kids slept through the night. I wanted to break out into a chorus of, oh, happy day, and so excited. Uh, and then, you know, they go to the toddler stage, and they're, they're trying to walk, right? And they walk a few steps, boom. They, uh, they fall, and they get right back up, walk some more, fall, walk some more, fall, walk some more, fall. And then finally, it clicks. And then they're going everywhere, touching everything, sticking everything in their mouth, whether you tell them not to or it is beside the point. And, and you know, it, it just persistent. They're trying to learn everything they can learn and do everything they can do. And I think this persistence in our, in our little ones can teach us something about the kingdom of God. Because uh, I believe we need to have that same persistence in our lives in growing in our walk with God. It's not that we do it in our own strength. The Holy Spirit helps us and does that through us. But we need to have a commitment to be persistent in the things of God. And so, uh, as you are persistent, uh, you begin to grow. A baby that eats well is going to grow, right? Um, Sherry used to work in uh, CPS and in Texas, and uh, it was the DCS here. And, uh, and, and sometimes they would have a child called failure to thrive, and, and the child was malnourished. And so, uh, didn't grow and it hadn't reached the stages of physical development and mental development and emotional development that it would have otherwise. And sometimes they would then take that child and put it into a home where it was well cared for and all of a sudden the child would begin to blossom. Why? Because those needs were being met. I think there are many malnourished Christians. Christians that are dying on the vine because there's not a persistence in their life in seeking after God. Um, the Israelites had not been persistent in seeking after God here in Judges. Matter of fact, uh, not only had they apparently not passed on the teaching of God's word to the next generation, because the Bible says a generation arose that did not know God, um, but they had gone even further into sin, and they had rejected God, and they were worshiping false gods. And what they found was, as they worshiped these false gods... God brought chastening into their lives. And so, uh, yet again, uh, they are in uh, the control and under the power of a man named Eglon, which, whose name means calf. And the Bible says he was fat. And so he was the fatted calf, I guess. Uh, but anyway, Eglon ruled over them for 18 years and oppressed the Israelites until finally they cried out to God for deliverance, and God raised up a man named Ehud, and uh, and he uh, delivered the Israelites. And, and we're not going to get all the way through the story tonight, but I want to just focus on the situation uh, that they uh, were in at the beginning of this story 
And, uh, and we're going to learn the importance of persistence and each one of us needing to persist in our walk with God. So the time of my message is the importance of persistence. Look with me at Judges 3 and verse 12. The Israelites again did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He gave Eglon king of Moab power over Israel because they had done what was evil in the Lord's sight. After Eglon convinced the Ammonites and the Amalekites to join forces with him, he attacked and defeated Israel and took possession of the city of Palms, which is otherwise known as Jericho. The Israelites served Eglon, king of Moab, 18 years. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord, and he raised up Ehud, son of Gera, a left-handed Benjamite, as a deliverer for them. The Israelites sent him to Eglon, king of Moab, with tribute money. And Ehud made him, him, uh, himself a double-edged sword, 18 inches long. He strapped it to his right thigh under his clothes and brought the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab, who was an extremely fat man. So, uh, the importance of persistence. Uh, why should we persist in our walk with God? Well, if you don't persist, first of all, you'll lose your progress. You'll lose your progress. Now, the city of Jericho was destroyed, and it isn't rebuilt until later in the time of the kings, uh, and along with the curse that comes with it then. Uh, but it was a strategic place. It had plenty of water, and so apparently Eglon and uh, his, his group set up camp in this, Erico, uh, this, <laughs> this area of Jericho uh, and began to rule from that area in Israel, and it's ironic because what was the first town the Israelites defeated when they came into the land of Canaan? It's Jericho. So they have now lost the ground that they had gained in serving God. Um, I think you see that. You can see that in an individual's life sometimes, and uh, I'm sure you know people. I I know people who have at one time uh, served God faithfully. Uh, maybe even were involved in leadership or in, in teaching or something like that. And they have gotten away from God and they have lost the ground. And they're no longer even in church. But they have, they have totally checked out of spiritual things and sometimes even living a, a sinful life. Uh, I don't believe God intends that for us. I don't think he wants us to lose the progress that we've made. And so... Uh, you need to persist in your walk with God. I, I like uh, what Paul told Timothy. He said, preach the word in season and out of season. There's been some times where it's been a whole lot easier to preach uh, a, a confrontational message than at other times. You know, if, if people are upset at you and you preach a controversial message, they think you're talking to them. And sometimes they take it the wrong way. And so it's not convenient to preach in those times. But whether it's convenient or whether it's not convenient, we're to preach, I'm to preach the Word of God. Same thing is true for a Christian in their walk with God. You need to have your devotions with God, whether it's convenient or whether it's not. You need to come to church whether it's convenient or whether it's not. You need to give whether it's convenient or whether it's not. You see kind of the, the theme here. Uh, why? Because as you persist in serving God, even when you don't feel like it, some good things happen. And God begins to grow you, and he begins to draw you near to him. 
and he begins to show you things in his word, and he begins to answer prayer, and, and you begin to see God working in your life. And, and it's in that persistence. Um, I can remember uh, a while back, a year or two ago, I got the flu. And uh, have, you ever, have you ever been so sick you didn't even want to move? I mean, I was sick. I, I was so sick. And I was laying there on the couch, and, and um, I don't remember what my family was doing, but they weren't there for whatever reason. And I was laying there on the couch, and I didn't have the TV on, and I wasn't listening to anything, and I didn't even want to move. And I was laying there on the couch, and Becky texted me. And I thought, I don't want to look at the text. You know, that's how lazy I was. I just felt so horrible and didn't want to move. But guess what? I took my medicine. Why? Because I knew if I would persist, even though I didn't feel like it, I could get to feeling better in a few days. The same thing is true in the Christian life. Sometimes when you feel the worst, you need God's work the most. And sometimes when you're feeling the greatest resistance spiritually in your life, it's because the devil doesn't like what God is getting ready to do in your life and doesn't like what he's already doing in your life, and he wants to short-circuit the process. And so sometimes when you're out of sorts, you just need to get along with God even when you don't feel like it. And so that persistence will keep us from losing ground. I've seen this in my life sometimes. I will, uh, you ever get busy and you do what I call microwave devotions? I did that, you know, my mother used to make us do, she'd say, read two chapters of scripture. This went on for a year, year and a half, something like that. I remember I found the two shortest chapters that I could find. Psalm 117, which I now have memorized, and Psalm 134. And there were like two places, you know, in my Bible that fell open. You know, there's so much use. And because uh, I wasn't saved and I was just doing it because my mom told me to do it. And I thought, that's fine, the shortest one I can find. You know? And so, uh, but uh, anyway, uh, forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> but anyway, you need to be persistent. In your walk with God, in your time with God. That's probably where I was going with that. Being, just being persistent in uh, spending time with God. And, uh, you know, it, it, whether, you're, whether you're trying to um, take medicine to get better or you're trying to eat food to get stronger, uh, you persist in that, right? Sometimes I'll, I'll have a, a, an elderly person who has quit eating. That can be a dangerous situation, right? They'll give them medicine to give them an appetite. Why? Because they need to keep eating. They need to persist in taking in that food or they will become too weak to carry on. And so, same thing's true spiritually. Persist in your walk with God or you will lose progress in your walk with God. Somebody once said, you're either going forward or you're going backward in your spiritual life. There's no such thing as staying still. And so, make sure you persist so that you don't lose the ground. Uh, it, we are in a battle, right? Um, so there will be days where you stumble. There will be days when you fail. There will be days when you have victory. But armies that win 
don't take a month off in the middle of the war, right? Uh, you continue on. So uh, continue on so that you don't lose the progress that you've made. Secondly, uh, if you don't persist, you'll serve your enemy. You'll serve your enemy. Now this is this is real. This chapter is full of irony. Um, you've got the conquest in reverse, right? The loss of Jericho. But you've also got now Israelite serving masters again. Sounds kind of like Egypt, right? You, now you've got the exodus in reverse. You know They've gone uh, from being free and going forward in the power of God. Now they're back in slavery under Eglon. And for 18 years, they serve their enemy. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves serving the enemy's purpose. We cease to persist in seeking the things of God, and before long, not only are we not doing what we're supposed to do, but we've taken with us our kids, or we've taken with us our friends. Uh, and, and we have influenced people away from the things of God. Or we've influenced people away from the right behavior that honors God. Um, and, and we can be unwittingly, not intentionally, but actually doing the devil's work. Uh, have, you ever, have you ever wondered why sometimes there is such divisiveness in church um, could it be that we have a spiritual enemy that wants to disrupt what God is doing uh, I, I think you know as you as I think back in different situations I've been a part of um, it's amazing and sometimes I think people who are genuine they love Jesus but they get crossways they get bitter or they you know something goes awry in their life and this person said this or that person said that and before long a person who loves Jesus is doing the devil's work they're gossiping they're stirring up trouble in the background they're they're uh carrying a grudge in their heart toward toward uh, other people or maybe toward God in some cases uh and they find themselves instead of furthering the cause of Christ being a hindrance to it. Uh, so easy. And, and so now you find the Israelites are no longer going forward for God, no longer accomplishing His purpose. Instead, they're going backwards. And they're worshiping idols, and, and you find them even under service to a wicked king once again. The Moabites who could not curse Israel when Balak tried to get Balaam to curse them, now are in charge of the Israelites. Isn't that sad? Listen, I'm going to tell you something. You're a child, if you're a child of God, you are not under bondage to the devil, but you can be under self-induced slavery. It doesn't have to be permanent. God can bring you out of it. There is the power to come out of that. Uh, you, the greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Uh, the devil has no authority over us, but when we give him an inch, he'll take a mile. 
the scripture says, don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give the devil a stronghold in your life. Why? Because of the havoc that can be wreaked in your life. You don't want to be serving your enemy. Some people serve the devil's purpose by hurting themselves. What does the Bible say? The, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Some of these folks are putting these poisonous drugs in their body. They're killing themselves. They're destroying their body. They're destroying their mind. They're serving the enemy. That's what he wants to happen to them. And, and through their, their walking away from their purpose in God, they find themselves doing the very things that destroy them. It's so sad. Don't serve the enemy. Don't give him the pleasure. Be wholehearted servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Persist in your walk with God. In season, out of season. When it's convenient, when it's not. Say, I will follow Jesus. I love what Joshua said. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a decision he made. So uh, be persistent in your walk with God. Uh, be persistent in your prayers for your children. Be persistent in your prayers for your grandchildren, for your family. Why? Because of the enemy and his work in people's lives. Uh, Paul said in, in one place, God forbid that I should sin against you by failing to pray for you. I remember reading that a, a number of years ago and being sharply convicted by that. God you know, I have failed you and I've not prayed the way I should for other people. Be persistent in that. Why? Because there is a need. We're in a battle. We're in a struggle. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. One of those weapons is the weapon of prayer. One of those weapons is the weapon of God's Word. And so we use those weapons to help each other in the battle, don't we? So we've got to persist in that. Why? Because we're in a battle. If we don't persist, we'll find ourselves going the wrong direction, losing the ground that we've already gained. We'll find ourselves even sometimes serving the enemy. So, <clears throat> importance of persistence. Why persist? Well, if you don't, you'll lose your progress. You'll serve your enemy. And finally, you'll replace your worship. You'll replace your worship. Now we're told they were already doing what's evil in the Lord's sight um, in verse 12, but uh, in the original text, in verses 16 through 18, there's some really interesting words there. Um, verse 17 says, he brought the tribute, he's talking about Ehud, he brought the tribute to Eglon. The word brought is literally in the Hebrew, he drew near. The word tribute is, is literally in the Hebrew, the word uh, minha, which was a description usually of the grain offering, but it was a description of offerings in the sacrificial system. And so, um, as Ehud brought the tribute to Eglon, the Bible uses sacrificial language to describe what he's doing. 
Uh, and and it, it, it talks about drawing near. It talks about the, the minha, the, the grain offering. And then it describes Eglin in sacrificial terms, the fatted calf. And you know what's getting ready to happen to Eglin. We didn't read that far, but uh, he's about to become the slaughtered calf. Uh, that, you know. So there's all this, this, this double wordplay going on here. But what had happened in their lives? They had begun to exchange the worship of God for the worship of false gods. And as they exchanged the worship of God for the worship of false gods, they ended up being enslaved to a wicked king who they were having to bring their tribute to, their minha to. And, and, and you see the bondage through their failing to worship God, they're failing to persist in their walk with God, now they are worshiping something else. Did you know that happens? God has designed us for worship. We're designed, we're given a, a something in us that desires to worship. And so if we're not worshiping God, and if God is not first place in our life, something will be. You can usually tell what that idol is by the amount of time that you spend doing it, the money that you throw at it, and the need that you have to do that, and you put other things aside to do it. And, and you have, you, you know, you can tell what your idols are a lot of times in life. Um, some people's idols are their leisure activities. Some people's idols are their workplace. Uh, some people's idols are their family. Some people's idols uh, can be um, something that they like to do. Maybe it's a sin. Uh, but, but, all of anything and everything that can be put in place of God, sometimes even something that is a good thing in and of itself, but put in first place instead of God becomes an idol, and, and we begin to worship that as the primary thing in our life. I'm convinced that that is one of the greatest sins of the American church. We put anything and everything above God. God is the last on our list. If it, I know I'm talking to Sunday night crowd here, but God, if it's convenient for us, we come to church. That might be twice a month, might be once a month, if it's convenient, if I don't have something else to do. And we have everything in the world, it, it takes precedence over God in our lives. Isn't it, isn't it a shame? And so, is it any surprise that we find ourselves beginning to lose the freedoms that we once had in this country? If we're not careful, we're going to be just like Israel, serving in Eglin. And um, so, uh, persist in your worship, in your walk with God, uh, because if you're not worshiping God, you'll be worshiping something. And be aware in your life that there is a tendency for us to drift from putting God first place in your life. And sometimes it's very subtle. Um, you begin to lose the joy in your walk with God. You begin uh, to to sense that something's not quite right, but you may not even be sure what it is. That might be a good time to go to the Lord and say, Lord, show me if there's anything in my life that's not pleasing to you. He will. If you ask him, he will. He'll point it out through his word, through, through a message, or through the Holy Spirit in your heart. He'll bring something to mind. But um, uh, go to him with that, because if you are doing idol worship, what's going to happen is you're going to slowly distance yourself from God. That's what happened with the, with the Israelites. They were distanced from God. They got into the land of Canaan. And guess what? This is a, this is a great deal. 
We've got all of these fields. We've got all of these possessions. We've got security and a homeland and all of these great, wonderful blessings. And they begin to focus on the blessing, the gift, rather than the giver. And slowly a slide begins and priorities shift. And before long, they don't even know who God is. That's where we're headed in America. I'm convinced of it. If we don't have revival, we're going to have a, a generation. I know this is negative, but I, 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 re- I see this in our culture. I see that we were talking about it in, in tonight in our, in our discipleship training about how we used to have a greater commitment to the things of God, how we used to be in God's house more, and we used to, to uh, put God first in the things in our lives. And, and you see that there's a slow slide away from that in our culture today. It's, it's, a, it's a sobering thing to think about, but, uh, but if we're not careful... I remember having a discussion about uh, the economy. I won't tell you what presidential race it was. But I remember telling people, listen, if you vote based on what you, what you think that president's going to do for the economy, and he's not doing what's pleasing toward God, and he's not going to support what God says is right, you need to change your vote. You know, sometimes we vote based on personal interests, don't we? What is in it for me? You know? And uh, uh, Megan said she was, they were watching the, uh, the Republican debate. And I'm not saying who, who should vote for or not, but I thought this was funny. Uh, she said that there was, uh, uh, that Donald Trump had said something that was funny. And, and the teacher asked him, Who are you going to vote for? And he was expecting a reasoned answer. And one of the guys in the back said, I'm voting for him because he's funny. You know? And, you know, sometimes the, the, the the reasons we vote for things are so bizarre. And, you know, I, I think we don't realize as God's people sometimes how serious it is when you have a wicked ruler. The Bible says the people moan, they groan. When you, the righteous rule, the people rejoice. And, uh, and so it matters. But, but, but that's just a symptom. I mean, that's a symptom of where we are in our culture. It's about us and what we want versus putting God first. And so that divine priority in our life should touch everything that we have. Um, some people are probably, I hope it's not you, but some people are probably resenting the series that I'm doing on giving. And if that's you... That shows that you've got a wrong priority in your heart. Because if God's in first place, money's not. And so just something to think about. I didn't even mean to talk about that. but it, Anyway, uh, so if you're not worshiping God, you'll be worshiping something. So be sure to persist in your walk with God and keep things right in your walk with God so that you don't end up drifting into idolatry. The importance of persistence, why persist? If you don't, you'll lose your progress, you'll serve your enemy, and you'll replace your worship. That's pretty pretty sobering things. Now, let me tell you something that will encourage you. 2,000 years ago, a man came to this earth, and he's the only man who ever perfectly persisted. And his name's Jesus Christ. And he lived a godly life 
in our place that we couldn't live on our own so that we could be forgiven for our sin, restored to a right relationship with God. And uh, the scripture says, you know, don't, don't sin. But if you sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Aren't you glad that you're not in this yourself? Listen, there's been times where I haven't persisted the way I should. There's been times where I've had spiritual idolatry in my life. I'm being real, okay? Um, but praise God, we are not in this alone. We have an advocate. We have somebody who can come alongside us and, uh, and, and restore us to the right place. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that a good thing to know? Bring your sin, bring your failure, bring your brokenness, bring your idolatry, bring all of it to Jesus because he can fix it every time. And so uh, I, love, I love the fact that this man who had oppressed them for 18 years, we didn't read this far, but he ends up in a simple, quick action by Ehud being ended. His rule is ended and his power is broken. Can I tell you something? Jesus Christ can break the power of the devil every time. He can bring victory. A person can be under their own strongholds and the footholds of the enemy that they've allowed in their life, and they can come to Jesus in faith and trust and in brokenness and say, Here I am, Lord. I'm a mess. I've gone the wrong way. But your power can set me free. That's the power of our Savior. And so uh, I love what he says. He says, uh, uh, Come, let us reason together. Though your sin be as scarlet, it shall be white as snow. Uh, what a wonderful God that we have who will enter into our situation even when we've made the wrong decision, even when we have not persisted in following him and reaches out to us in mercy. Um, one of the things I love about the book of Judges is it shows the power of the grace of God because despite the Israelites' continued failure, God continues to reach out to them in grace, grace, grace. And they're, most of the time, they're not even really genuinely repenting. They're just crying out in pain. That tells you something about the mercy of God. Aren't you glad that his mercies are new every morning? Uh, aren't you glad that uh, even though Judges goes to a dark place, it's in a dark place now, but a darker place in the end, First Samuel comes along and God raises up a godly leader who restores Israel and who anoints David, the greatest king that Israel ever had. Can I tell you, as long as we have a resurrected Savior, there is hope for God's people. Amen? There's no power that can stand against him. I love what Paul says. Neither height, nor depth, nor things present, nor things to come, nor any other thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Praise his name. Um, persist in your walk with God, but when you fail, take it to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Father, help us to persist. Give us the grace, Lord. Fill us with your spirit. Give us a, a desire for you, the things of you.